You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have not one, but two special guests here with us, Cody Laughlin and Brian Alfaro. And they're coming at us from Houston. They're a uh, Texas-based private equity firm focusing on acquiring income-producing multifamily, commercial multifamily real estate across the United States. And they have two components of their mission, which is people's first communities and investor first performance. Um, They're both great guys. They've been around for a while. And today what we're going to talk about is kind of high level. We're recording this early for second quarter of 2022. And if you look at headlines on the news, you know, you see interest rates rising. You still seeing inflation um, persisting in pretty much every facet of our lives. Um, particularly with with rent. Um, So, you know, people are getting a little nervous um, in terms of where are we going to be interest rates wise? How is that going to affect um, the value of commercial real estate? And really wanted to get two expert opinions on this topic. Uh, They both have been around for a while. So just want to, again, thank you for coming on the show and let's have a conversation. Well, Anthony, I want to thank you so much for having us on. It's it's a pleasure to be here and and really loving you know, this, having this conversation for sure. And Brian, we keep getting this coming all the time. We're, we're one of, I guess, the only duos out there doing podcast tours. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's great to be here, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Excellent. So how many units do you guys own? What markets are you in? What are you experiencing in terms of your rent growth uh, almost year over year? What are you expecting in the next two years? And how are you seeing the impact of rising rates already? Um, it's, it's almost like the pace of the rates rising has been very quick, hasn't been seen in a few decades this quickly. So um, just talk to us about what you're seeing. Yes, there's a lot to unpack there. But to get to your original question, uh, you know, Blue Open Capital has been in inception since 2019. We are general partners in 847 units. That's across about $115 million with the multifamily real estate Um most of those assets are here located in Texas, and then one that's uh, up in North uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, as far as our acquisition pipeline, our focus and thesis is uh, centered around Central Texas here, so Houston, San Antonio primarily. And uh, especially right now in this market cycle, we really like the Core Core Plus product right now. I think that makes a lot of sense. So, um, now what do you with mean by that, that core core plus just for our audience what does that mean yeah yeah so that's more of your newer stabilized uh, assets call it 1980s 1990s vintage or newer um you know less deferred maintenance less um capex injection needed to create value uh typically has all of your you know market amenity sets that appeal to uh today's renter and things like that so basically none of your 60s older 70s product uh, we, we typically like to stay away from that but uh, I mean look this kind of leads us into your your second part of your question right is is looking at the current market cycle we're in I mean everybody knows it's a very aggressive cycle it's a very bullish cycle and there's a lot of variables as to why that is right I mean it's no secret we have a massive supply 
demand dislocation. You know, we just do not have enough inventory and enough affordable housing available uh, to the mass public. And, and the development pipeline cannot keep up with that demand. And so you have this, you have that conundrum coupled with the fact that we have a, you know, incredible amount of liquidity that's flush in the market, that's looking for yield, looking for, you know, stabilized assets to place capital to that, um, you know, you're seeing this migration towards multifamily um, because of its resistance, resistance and resilience uh, in economic cycles, uh, whether up or down. And so what that has created, though, is a lot of pressure on us as investors and buyers. Right. And, and you're seeing now this, you know, incredible cap rate compression that we've seen. We've been experiencing for the last several years. Um, you, you're seeing everything trading on a premium. Uh, whether it be your value add product, your you know 50s, 60s, 70s product, or you're looking at your core product, everything at least in our respective markets, right, Brian is you know sub four cap, you know three and a half cap across the board, and so you know you're paying a premium on any and every asset that you're looking at, and, and so it does create quite the challenge as far as what is the right investment strategy right now, um, you know how do you hedge against that um, that downside when you're buying everything on a premium. And really what's your risk tolerance right now in this market cycle? And so uh, I know I've said a lot there, but before we keep going, I mean, Brian, what do you think? What did I miss? No, you hit all the great points, Cody. Uh, all the things that you were talking about on today's podcast, I'm sure will be relevant whenever this comes out. We've obviously seen a lot of competition. We're seeing rising interest rates and our part of our investing thesis over at Blue Oak Capital has to do with the current factors in place. Why are we looking for the newer, more stabilized product we can hold long-term is because of all the things we've been talking about, right? We don't want to get caught in a rising interest rate environment, holding a product where there's a lot of deferred maintenance. There's a lot of CapEx injection when we know material costs are going up, labor is a massive problem. And if we do end up having to hold something longer, that goes back to our investing thesis. We'd rather be holding that 90s, 2000s, 2010s and up product for seven to 10 years versus necessarily going and looking and saying, hey, how do we get out of this in 24 months before the market potentially recorrects itself? So a lot of great points. Just wanted to throw that in there as well as part of our investing thesis and what we're seeing and what our strategy is. Yeah. So have you, have you guys acquired, um, 50s, 60s and 70s products in the past, or have you always been nineties plus? We, our first acquisition was a uh, 79 vintage, if I'm not mistaken, Cody. So that's, you know, that late seventies product and, uh, ask us how we know it. it it's a challenge. <laughs> so, the, you know, those <laughs> still products- have it. We do still have it. Yeah. That's a, that's a big uh, CapEx injection at 16 K a door if I'm not mistaken off the top of my head. So it's a different, it's a different animal versus what we closed on what five or six weeks ago was a 2017, 2018 vintage product, which, you know, the, the value add, the CapEx in that is installing backsplash and smart locks versus, you know, moving walls and changing floors and, you know, doing countertops and basically everything you do in a, a value add play. So We've kind of had both uh, dipped our toes in both pools, and uh, Cody, I think we like the uh, the B plus and A minus space a little bit more than that super heavy value add stuff. Yeah, you, you know, you're you're di- you have a different business strategy with your newer product, your core core plus product, right? You don't like we mentioned already. You don't have the execution risk as far as this heavy capex injection that you need to create or add value. Your demographics are typically different. You know, you're dealing with a demographic that you know can absorb you know call it twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars of rents versus a family that can barely afford you know seven fifty in rent and you know, it's a completely different management 
uh, strategy. But, you know, when you talk about our core thesis now, I mean, it wasn't always the case. You know, when we entered into multifamily, very similar to most new operators or syndicators, you know, you kind of have to prove yourself, right? You have to, you have to be able to establish your credibility. So most new operators will cut their teeth on the value add play. And so we did that. We, we, we started coming into the space with the intent to build a portfolio of value add assets. But what we saw in the marketplace was, again, just the aggressiveness and the competitiveness and the continued appreciation in the asset values, which really put a lot of pressure on us because, you know, without having that track record, without having that experience and, and executing these business plans on these value add plays, um, when you're, you start to buy things on a premium, you, you really start to expose yourself to uh, risk that you don't even know coming because you don't have the experience. And so, you know, we started, we, we were always trying to learn from other people that have more experienced uh, operators than we are and, and kind of what are the trends and what are other uh, operators doing in the market. And we saw this transition of, you know, guys that have big portfolios, been in the business for a long time, transitioning to more of your core, core plus product. And, and we started to realize that, you know, the reason why is, you know, again, if, if you're going to be buying, you're going to be buying an asset on a premium, it, it, it gives you a better peace of mind knowing that, you know, as Brian alluded to, you can be in a long-term hold. You don't have the million dollars at risk, you know, multi-million dollars at risk for the CapEx injection needed in general. And uh, you can sleep a little better at night, you know, knowing that you have a good quality asset that, uh, you know, doesn't have all of the other headaches that come along with your older you know, vintage product. Sure. Have you guys adjusted? Obviously, you started out with that huge value-add project for what you're buying now. Have you adjust, adjusted the return expectations to you and your investors as a oh, result? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Brian, go ahead. I'll let you take that one and I'll pick it back. That's definitely a great question because it's it was really important for us to have this conversation prior to going into the A and the B class space because a lot of investors have a certain return expectations and there's different types of investors. People say, well, I'm a passive investor. Well, that's just the umbrella. There's different categories of passive investors, right? There's people that are very cash flow sensitive. They want a lot of cash flow. Maybe they're looking to leave their W-2 or they just need that cash flow for a sustainable lifestyle if they're retired, right? Then you've got people that are looking for equity upside. They make good money already. They're lawyers, doctors, engineers. They have a really high paying job, tech professionals. They're not worried about getting a 7 8% return on $100,000. That $7,000 a year, that $8,000 a year is not changing their life. It's not moving the needle for them. They already have a high income. But what they're looking for is diversification. They're looking for that equity upside. They want to put their money in real estate because they understand the power of real estate while also keeping their other investments open as well, right? So that's another one. And then you've got investors that are looking for tax shelters, period. Um, they like the cash flow. They, they like the equity upsides. They do like that part of the business. But at the same time, if they're real estate professionals, realtors, different types of uh, uh, real estate investors, they really need to put that capital to work so they can get that depreciation at the end of the year because they don't want to pay a lot of taxes or if any taxes at all. So when we switched over to the, the, the core and core plus product, looking for that A and B class product, we knew we were going to need to talk to investors that weren't the first type, the more cash flow sensitive investor. We want to talk to the people that are more IRR sensitive, people that are looking for more equity upside, people that are looking for that tax shelter. So we had to ingest investor expectations for sure uh, versus, you know, looking for that say seven, eight, nine percent cash on cash. You know, maybe we're looking for somewhere between a four and a six percent cash on cash, but we're still getting that 1.8 to 2x multiple 
on these slightly longer holes potentially, but it's a nicer, more stabilized product yet has that it's more risk diversified is, is what we're telling our investors. So uh, we definitely had that conversation and have been talking to all of our investors about it. And, and it's part of the reason we switched too, because here in Houston and San Antonio, what's a C-class property get you, Cody? If you're lucky, a six, six and a half, maybe a 7% cash on cash. No, not even. Yeah. Not even, right? Like, that's even. like a diamond and a rough. Well, why, why, why wouldn't you buy a, a A-class product that's getting you a 5% cash on cash or a 55 or 6% cash on cash? That point, point and a half different, is it worth the execution risk is the question we had to ask ourselves. And we felt like based on where we're at in the market cycle, it wasn't at the time. So we've been having this conversation with all of our investors and you know, sometimes it's not a good fit for them and that's okay too. And we just go out and find new investors who align with that thesis that want that uh, stable product. They like the nicer buildings. It's uh, better risk diversified and they're okay with longer term holds if that's necessary based on where we're at in the market cycle. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things there if I could piggyback off. Look, the reality is, is you have to really look at what the market's giving us right now. You know, in, in our respective markets, again, here being in the Texas MSAs, you know, if everything's trading on a sub four cap, it is impossible to generate an 8% cash on cash. You just, there's no, there's no pro forma that can give you that type of return unless there's a capitalization event, unless there's a refinance somewhere in your pro forma, which we all know comes with risk when you're, when you're talking about underwriting to a refinance, especially coming in with this market cycle where we're at now, where there's a looming recession that's in play here over the next 24 months, you know, blah, blah, blah. So the point is, is, you know, it's really hard for investors to really expect that seven, eight percent cash on cash, six percent cash on cash when you're buying everything on a sub four cap. Now, does that mean it's not a great time to invest and it's not a great asset class? Absolutely not. I still think real estate to me is the best vertical, but the the expectations have to change. And and I think this is the downside of what we've seen over the last decade. In, in the syndication model is now that it has become so popular and so mainstream and it's so accessible to what we call the retail investor, right? The everyday investor, you've seen this aggression in the marketplace. And now you've seen assets that have traded every two years and getting two to three X multiples. And that has become the expectation. Well, we're now entering into a peak in this market cycle um, where that expectation will adjust whether we people like it or not. You know, the, the days of getting in and out of properties of 24, 36 months are, are probably going to start uh, thinning out. You know, you're not going to see those transactions occurring like that um, at that rate anymore. So people are really going to have to remember that, look, wealth is created in real estate when it's hold for long term. You know, and, and I think we need to be reminded of that as investors is, yeah, this past decade has been amazing. A lot of wealth has been created, but at its fundamental root, wealth is created in real estate when you hold it long-term. And I think investors are going to find out that moving into this decade, that's going to be the, the case. Investors are going to be forced to hold assets longer term. So anyway. Yeah, I think it's interesting what Brian and, and you were bringing up before in terms of diversification. It sounds like you've sort of, pivoted a little bit from your initial business model, and that's okay. It's it's good to have, in in my opinion, if you're putting together syndications where you're aggregating other individuals, most likely it could be family offices or institutional capital, some money, and you're you know you're you're acquiring assets together, whether that's on an individual or fund level. I think um, I think it's important to have that diversification where, like you said, you're buying a 
B, B plus property and your cash on cash expectations are five to 6% versus the risk with the value add where might not have much cash flow from the start. And, you know, you'll, you know, you'll probably execute your business plan might take you longer like you said, with supply chain issues and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you're kind of de-risking a lot of um, the uh, interest rate rise and some of the things in the economy, like you said, looming possible recession um, coming up. But at the end of the day, you know, there's different risk tolerances. And what my point is, um, a lot of the clients that, because we work in very similar spaces, a lot of the clients that I service and you service, they kind of look at the average stock market return over the past 10, 15 years, give or take, let's just say. And I think the average S&P 500 return was like 6%, maybe six and a half. And a lot of that, those, those conversations that I have are like, well, why would I put my money to work in, you know, a syndication where I can't really access the capital? Um, that's like you said, five and a half to 6% coupon where I could just put it in a stock market ticket in and out at each time. I think what you said, uh, Brian, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You have to, and you guys both do a great job of educating. It's not just about, you know, the cash flow and the e-liquidity. It's about building wealth long-term, principal pay down, there's tax benefits, et cetera. So um, it sounds like you guys are having more conversations and you're, you know, more more of educating, um, you know, investors that might not know the other benefits to real estate, even if you're holding it for longer. And like you said, not expecting two to three X in a year or two anymore, um, which I, I tend to agree with, unless you're buying, you know, you really have to buy right. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we would agree. And, and most importantly, you're absolutely right. You have to buy right, you have to finance right. I mean, all those things are, are fundamental. And, and to your point about, you know, I, this really comes down to identifying who your ideal investor avatar is. And this is something that, you know, we've spent a lot of time really, um, you know, getting very intentful on who it is that we're looking to partner with, right? Because to your point, yeah, you could look at the equities markets and, and there's been a lot of highs over the last decade. I mean, a lot of uh, wealth has been created in the equity markets as well. Um, and, and there's that counter argument. That, yes, it's a very liquid asset. You know, you can transfer funds in and out and whatnot. But, you know, the sophisticated investor knows that, you know, you should never have all your wealth tied to one vertical, right? And so, you know, if you're an investor that is, you know, looking at only the equities markets and that's where your wealth is tied to whatnot, you also understand that your exposure is is that as fast as the stock market can go up, it can come down, you know, just as quickly. And we've seen that, right? Um, we've had a great guest on our show recently, and he, he said this great quote, he said, the trend is your friend. And if you look at the trend and the volatility index of the stock market as compared to real estate, one of the things that most investors love about real estate is the very tr- uh, predictable uh, pattern, a volatility pattern. Uh, on a historical scale. So you can go back and see just a nice steady trend. And not to say we don't have corrections, we do in the real estate market. And, and you look at the financial crisis, that was probably a you know once in a hopefully lifetime experience. But nonetheless, you can look at the trajectory and see just a nice steady curve uh, versus you know a very uh, volatile curve uh, compared to this equities market. So I think dealing with sophisticated investors is something that we, you know, we have definitely been more intentful on. And those who specifically know and understand real estate and the power that real estate uh, gives them within their investment portfolio. Brian, what do you think? 
Absolutely. We've been specifically targeting people that have experience investing and want real estate to be a part of their overall portfolio. They're not all in stocks or all in real estate. And they understand that real estate's a liquid. And that to me is actually one of the benefits of real estate, right? Because when the, when the stock market goes crazy, we get very emotional, right? We decide we want to, I'm going to sell, even though maybe it's not the best time to sell, or I'm going to buy, even though maybe you're at the peak in real estate, you don't really have a choice sometimes because these things move very slowly, which is also good because when the market has a correction, they also correct very slowly as well, where you have time to pivot. You have time to make decisions. You have time to look at your financing situation, your cash flow situation. You can kind of see what's on the other side of the road when it comes to real estate. So that is definitely something we're constantly talking to our investors about. And uh, all the, all the points we've been talking about, I think are something for everybody to consider whether you're a cash flow investor or you're more uh, looking for equity upside, you just got to really understand where you're at in the market cycle and ask yourself, how much risk am I willing to tolerate where we're at today? Love it. I think the conversation we're having here is just very relevant to what a lot of real estate investors, both actively and passively, are seeing in the marketplace. So really appreciate the two of you coming on today. How can my audience find you, connect with you, learn more about you? Well, we're not hard to find. Uh, we're very, very active on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, you can also catch us on some of our thought leadership platforms. We host a very uh, good in-person meetup, virtual meetup as well. But uh, connect with us directly, Cody or Brian at blueoakinvest.com. You can find us at each of our uh, handles at Cody Laughlin or Brian Alfaro on LinkedIn, Facebook. And we'd love to connect with you there. Excellent. Well, really appreciate the two of you coming on our show today. If you liked what you heard and or saw from my audience, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps Cody, Brian, and myself get our message out to a greater network. It's just the way it works. So really appreciate that. And we'll have a link to uh, Cody and Brian's social media platforms, as well as their website in our social media descriptions and on all our platforms, you know, for the podcast, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, et cetera. So really appreciate the two of you for coming on and hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you.